passage there is, we're going to be reading about Nicodemus and his meeting Christ, John chapter 3. Wasn't it interesting if you were paying attention when Robbie read, obviously I read about the new birth out of James 1, and then Robbie, I had him read out of uh, 1 Peter 1. And I had forgotten that this verse is part of that passage where Peter says, Though we have never seen Him, of course Peter had, but Peter says, though we have never seen Him, yet we love Him. Amen? I've never seen Jesus, okay? I've met Him, and I love Him. So Peter says, though we've never seen Him, we love Him. And then he says, though we don't see Him now, basically, we believe in Him. Amen? So we love Him, and we believe in Him, though we've never seen Him. But we do that because we've met Him. Amen? And my meeting Jesus and you meeting Jesus was not much different than Nicodemus meeting Him 2,000 years ago. So, in John chapter 3, and while you're, obviously when I say while you're finding that, obviously you found it. I was reading uh, some stuff in Genesis this week and just reading about some of this covenant with Abraham. and <clears throat> An interesting phrase, and I'd really never paid attention to it. I think I was talking to Robbie about this. I'm fixing to chase a rabbit, but I'll tell you I'm chasing it. You know, all of us have read our Bibles through. You know, you'll say, well, I've read my Bible through three times, four times, however you want to see. So you have a goal to read your Bible through. Some of us, we try to do it every year. But you know, many times when... And, and it's good to do that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. But a lot of times, though you may have read the Bible through three or four times in your lifetime, you don't remember anything because you're you're not reading it to read it. You're reading it to say that you've read your Bible. I know years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention, we had these standard uh, envelopes we'd pass out in Sunday school. And I know they still make them, but it had like five boxes and it said, Bible read daily, you check it. Stay in for worship, check it. So your goal was to mark those to everyone. Everybody had to mark, check every box. And reading your Bible daily was a big issue, and it should be. But many times when we read the Bible, we really don't see what it says. This is one of those passages. And it's about Abraham, the blessings of Abraham, obviously, that fell on Isaac, but not Isaac. This passage is about Ishmael. And uh, think about God's promises. And this is what God communicates to Ishmael. Ishmael was the son of the slave of Hagar. Not the covenant son. Not the promised seed. But the Bible says because Abraham was his father, God told Ishmael, I think what he says to him, I will make of of you a great nation. Even though that nation would be forever mortal enemies of, of, of Isaac and his descendants. He made, he says, I will make of you a great nation because you're connected to Abraham as your father. I don't know if you know where I'm going with that, but you're connected to God the Father. 
through Jesus Christ, through adoption and rebirth. Can you imagine the blessings that God's going to pour out on us for all eternity? Amen? So I think about that covenant that God made in Old Covenant with Abraham, Ishmael. Now there's a new covenant that God made with me through the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. You're very familiar with John chapter 3. I want to read verses 1 through 17 or 18. You'll be familiar with most of this. We are talking about the doctrine of, of the new birth. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. By the way, in the Gospels, uh, there's only one in the Gospels. There's only one Pharisee that was ever mentioned as being saved. Think about that. You know, Pharisees were scholars, biblical Old Testament scholars. The word Pharisee was <clears throat> had the idea of the word sect, a sect, a sacred sect, set apart, above, set apart above, an elite group of people. In the New Testament times, uh, there were 6,000 Pharisees that operated in, in Jerusalem and in the Holy Land. But only one Pharisee ever was saved and born again, according to the Gospels. And it was Nicodemus. I'll show you that in a minute. Now there's another Pharisee that was saved. In the epistles, the Bible says, the book of Acts tells us, who was the other one? Paul was a Pharisee among Pharisees. So we know two Pharisees that got saved. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Every time I read the name Nicodemus, I matter of fact, there used to be one of the books under here, that little musical called Nick at Night. The children did years ago. You ever heard of that, Moses? The little children. I just shake your head with me. Act like you know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Anyway, there's a little children's musical, honey. Am I right? Nick at Night was what it was called. There used to be a copy of it under here. I always think of that Nick at Night because Nicodemus came to Jesus when? At night. That's where they get the power. Anyway, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to Him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs. Interesting that John mentions that Nicodemus noticed the works of Christ. We've had one big sign already where he turns, John 2, he turns the water into wine, but also he cleanses the temple. Those are two big things that Jesus has already done. And I'm sure there's other things that Nicodemus either had seen or had heard about. So he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him. And I think Robbie and I were talking about this because Robbie, by the way, if you did the the Wednesday night we were at the park, uh, or y'all were at the park, I, I didn't come because my hip was not doing real well. Plus, I can't sit on those bleachers. And, and uh, anyway, and uh, right now I can't sit on bleachers. But anyway, he, Robbie and I had talked about this because he was in what what chapter? He was in John. 
when he did the Bible study Wednesday night. Do you remember what chapter? Four. Am I right? Wasn't he in John four? Who, who was, who was that? We had almost 30 people there. Moses knew it was John 4. But anyway. Thank you. John 4, 24. Uh, did he talk about worship? All right? The Spirit? Okay, yeah. Um, so, he says... By the way, there's no... There's not. I say all that to say this. When we had talked about this, I said, you know, here in John 3, Jesus, it says, Jesus answered him. If, if you're looking at your Bibles. Well, in chap, chapter 3, 1 and 2, there's not even a question. There's nothing that Nicodemus had said that was a question. But I'm sure... The question was in his heart and in his mind. You with me? So Jesus knows that. He's going, to, he's going to do this again in a minute. But So Jesus says, truly, truly. And if you're reading that in the original language, it's amen, amen. I like that. Amen? See? Truly it is so. When you say amen, you're saying so let it be or that is true kind of thing. Translated, truly, truly I say to you, Always for emphasis when it's, when it's repeated. Unless one is born again. Born again is uh, interesting. I'll come back to it in a minute. Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? I don't know if Nicodemus was being funny or peculiar or difficult, but he says, can, a, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, you know, that's, that's facetious. I, I wasn't that there. I don't know if he was being a smart aleck. But obviously that's a facetious statement. Jesus answered, again, Amen, Amen, I say to you, very personal. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says that... Here's a universal law. This goes all the way back to Genesis 1. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. But in order to be, you can't by nature, everybody that's a descendant of Adam cannot in their own nature move themselves into being born of the Spirit. Nobody can birth themselves. This is one of the great arguments here of John 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you. Now, if you have your Bibles, this is important. This just one of those things you learn when you study. I, I did not know this, what I'm fixing to tell you. But in the grammar of the New Testament, he says, Do not marvel that I say to you. Again, you is singular in, in the original language. There's an ending that tells us it's singular. Then Jesus says, do not marvel that I say to you, 
personal. Then he says, you, that's plural. And, and, and in the conversation, Nicodemus understood that. In the, you, multiple, anybody, plural, you must be born again. You, Nicodemus, must be born again. You, for 2,000 years. Whomever it be that's a descendant of Adam, in order to see Jesus, to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Look what Jesus says. It tells us the acting agent in salvation. Now there's two acting, you know, two acting agents in salvation. One is the Word, right? Faith cometh by, Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? By the Word of God. So, and uh, Peter says, this, says much of the same thing in 2 Peter. The Word is part of the birthing process, but the Spirit is the act of the Godhead. The Spirit, the third part, is the acting agent of salvation. So he says, He says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you, all of us, must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me just say this for I'll come back and repeat this to some degree. But if the wind blows, it shakes the leaves, right? Blows the shirt moves, whatever. It's obvious the wind is blowing. He says, so it is with everyone that's been born again. Have you been shaken and changed and moved by the Spirit and the Word? Jesus says, everyone that's born again is moved. We, we, you know, we, Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So everybody that's saved, it's obvious they've been saved. So he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from nor where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him. Many of you probably have never paid attention to this part. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Are you the teacher? That's very peculiar in, in the Greek language. Uh, you have an article, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, he calls Nicodemus the teacher of Israel. What he's telling us when we read the text, the leading teacher of the Pharisees. We know he was part of the Sanhedrin. I'll show you that in a minute. He is the ruling scholar of the day. 
but yet he's not saved. And Jesus says, how is it that you're a teacher, the teacher of the Jews? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? You know, when you read that, let me just give you one example. Go, Here's things that Nicodemus knew. Now, when I say Ezekiel 36 and 37, where the dry bones, the valley of the dry bones, it, it wasn't Ezekiel 36 and 37 when Nicodemus walked the earth because the, the chapters and verses weren't put in until like the 1500s. But, but he knew this because it's a prophecy of God restoring the kingdom of Israel. The dry bones, the valley of the dry bones. After the dry bones, he's describing the spiritual birth, the promise of, of, of birth. He says, I'm going to take, I'm going to remove the heart of stone and I'll put with, I will put within you. You can read it. It's a bunch of personal, pro- I, 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 I will put in you a heart of flesh. Implying that he's going to control it and mold it. He's going to take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, one that he can mold. Well, that's describing salvation. Well, well, Nicodemus obviously knew that passage, and so Jesus is able to say to him, how in the world is it that you're a teacher of the truth and you don't know what it means to be reborn? But folks, let's be honest. You know as well as I know. I've known and you know or have known dozens and dozens and dozens of people who know about Jesus, know about the Scriptures, know about religion, know about the church, but you know they are not born again. You know that. Not because you judge their hearts, because you can't see their heart. That's God's business. But you judge their fruit. And Jesus told us, you will know them by their fruits. And people that produce no fruits of holiness, no fruits of Christ-likeness, they're not born again. You know people that are much like Nicodemus. We'll come back to him in just a second. Let's keep reading. Because here's the, where we get to the most famous verse in the Bible. So he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except He who has descended from heaven. And He he calls Himself by His most, to Him, His most important title, the Son of Man. By the way, do you know where the the title, the Son of Man, first appears in the Bible? Book of Daniel. Appears first in the book of Daniel. So He says, He who descended is from heaven, he, He calls Himself the Son of Man. So nobody, so nobody's going to get there on their own. How this is going to happen is God in human form has descended. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in, in the wilderness, you know the scene, uh, 
They're complaining. Uh, they're passing close to the Red Sea. They're near Edom. Uh, by the way, Edom is... Uh, sometimes you see in the Old Testament, it's called Edomia, but Edom... It's the word, it means red land. I don't know if you realize that or not. We, when we went through the book of Genesis, we learned that. But Edom is red land. Called, the land was called red land. Interesting. So it's there that the people complain about their, what they're getting, the, the, the water God's providing and, and the bread, the, the manna. And so they complain. And So look, you remember God sends the fiery servants. So, so by the way, this is the only time this is mentioned in the New Testament. So, and so... Everyone, so anyway, and so in the judgment, the light has come. I'm sorry. He ascended into heaven, and, and as Moses, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong page. Verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you know, he put that uh, uh, a bronze serpent on a pole, and when you got bit by a snake, viper, whatever it was, you had to look at the, the elevated snake or serpent, and you'd be healed. And it says in the passage, many died. So, so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? For God so loved the world. Folks, that goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 32.8. Even though God divorced Himself from the world, you know, after the Tower of Babel, he still loved the world redemptively. And, and so in time, He calls Israel there, there to be the, the true vine that tells everybody about Him. They fail, and so Jesus becomes the, the true vine. But remember, he, he, he broke covenant with the rest of the world. That's what, he divorced them. Deuteronomy 32.8. Then He calls and marries Abraham, he says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. You're going to be my people. And you know, but, in, but now Christ has come into the world to be the Savior of the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. I want you to look at Nicodemus. Go back to verse 1 just for a second. I want you to think about, I'm just going to call him uh, the prospect. Uh, Nicodemus was a great prospect, but I want you to see some things about Nicodemus here. And I, I don't know if you've ever paid much attention to who he was, but he was a Pharisee. If you're looking at verse 1, he was a Pharisee. He, and, and the ruler of the Jews, that, that does mean... He was part of the Sanhedrin. You know, the other group that kind of kind of equaled the Pharisees, but not quite were the Sadducees. And you remember they're that they're one of the ones that doubted the resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection. So, so you had the Pharisees, Sadducees, but the Sanhedrin were the rulers. So they were Pharisees, but then there was the Pharisees that had another elevated position, and they were called the Sanhedrin. Most people that were part of the Sanhedrin were related to or good friends with the priestly line. And at the time of Jesus, there were 70 members of the Sanhedrin. 
So of the 6,000 Pharisees, and there were thousands of other sages, there were 70 Sanhedrin, and they were the rulers of Israel. Now folks, the word ruler there gives you the implication that, that uh, when we talk about, I always think about um, Barney, Fife, and Gomer on Andy Griffith when citizens arrest, but if you've ever watched that. But Sanhedrin had, had that kind of authority. They had judicial authority. They, they could arrest people. They were like policemen. Um, they could condemn. Now, they can't execute people, but they had all kind of authority. So that's why in the Bible they're called rulers. And so this is Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And he was a ruler. He was the teacher of Israel. But let me ask you Did he know Christ as Savior? He did not know Christ as Savior. And let me remind you, this passage right here doesn't tell us he got saved, right? So hold your finger here and go to John 7. Flip over here. We'll stay right here in John chapter 7. Nicodemus appears two or three times in John's Gospel. But I'm in John chapter 7. Again, this is Christ has done some miracles, and anytime he's near Jerusalem, I mean, he, he's a hotbed of controversy, uh, and, and the elite, in, including people like Nicodemus, but not, we're always trying to arrest him or kill him. But here's some conflict. Look at your Bibles. I'm in John 7:45. It says, "The officers then, officers is part of the rulers. The officers then came to the chief priest, that's the priesthood, and Pharisees, uh, who said to them, "Why did you not bring him?" The officers answered, they'd sent, they'd sent them to arrest him. No one ever spoke like this man. So they're saying the reasons we didn't arrest him is nobody speaks like this. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? So what they're saying is, Is there somebody that's a secret disciple among you guys? Why in the world didn't you arrest him? Or why didn't you bind him and bring him so he could be prosecuted? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Now look what Nicodemus... They're saying it's these people that are following Jesus. This is what they mean. They don't know the law. That's weird. They're saying they don't know the Bible, so they're, they're following Jesus. They're accursed. I mean, not, that's the opposite of the truth. But Nicodemus, look what it says about Nicodemus. Who had gone to him before and who was one of them. It do, that doesn't mean he was a believer. He's part of the Pharisees and the rulers. Said to the crowd, look what happens. So he's defending Jesus. Okay? He goes and visits him at night. By the way, can you? I can't imagine the thrill that the things that Nicodemus had thought about. We, you know, we not we're given part of the. We have no idea how long this conversation lasts between Nicodemus and Jesus. We just have an excerpt of it. But but he 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 defends Jesus. He he's not saved, but he defends him. So he says, "Does does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does?" 
They replied. So the other Pharisees replied, Are you a Galilean? So what they're saying is, Have you become, have you become one of them? Are you a, there's no prophet come out of Galilee. You can't, you can't possibly defend this Jesus of Nazareth. So there he defends him. Do you know where I'm going next in John? John 19. Go, go there. Go there. Verse 38 says, And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, this is after the crucifixion, then after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. And of course they laid him in an unused tomb. Now, it doesn't say in John 19 that Nicodemus was saved. But when you read John chapter 19, I think you can, you can make the assumption that, that Nicodemus had been saved. And that's why he did that. Church history, if you want to read some interesting History, go back and read church history. This isn't in the Scriptures, but you can read church history. And Nicodemus uh, eventually was martyred. His, his family were martyred because he, he followed Christ. I think he even pastored churches. But uh, it's interesting that he was, according to church history, he was eventually executed. Now here's what I want you to think about Nicodemus. And, and we're just about out of time. Number one, Nicodemus had religious observation. Look, he tells Jesus... He says, uh, he, he says, this man came to Jesus by night. He says, we know, <clears throat> we know you're a teacher because, from God because no one can do the signs you do. <clears throat> so Nicodemus had an observation that, of, of Jesus. I say religious observation. You know, he, un, he, he noticed Jesus had something supernatural about him. By the way, he, his theology's wrong. We know you're a teacher come from God, right? That's wrong, is it right? That's wrong. He is God in human form. Of course, Nicodemus is going to learn that. So he, he had some religious <clears throat> observations. <clears throat> he, he even had spiritual examinations. He, he says things. He says, how can, a man, he, he wants, how can a man be born a second time? So he even has some... Well, we may have saw some spiritual questions, or he's thinking theologically. How in the world can this happen? So, I wrote down he was he was religious. He had <clears throat> religious observations, and he had spiritual examinations. But it doesn't mean he was saved. 
And folks, this world, you know it to be true, this world is full of people who are religious and even can discuss theology. But as Jesus said, they've never, ever, ever been born again. And anybody who's been born again knows they've been born again. Now, I've only got uh, one or two minutes. So, you see the seeker. Let's just call Nicodemus a seeker. So, Jesus confronts him with a new birth. You must be... By the way, born again, the, the primary word has to do with a, a man begetting children. Okay? Begotten, literally it means begotten from above. If you look at the, all the words where we translate born, from, born again, it could be begotten from above. And again, I have to ask you, did you have anything to do with your natural birth? Anything whatsoever? Well, the same words are used now for the spiritual birth. Can I ask you, did you have anything to do with your spiritual birth? No. You couldn't have. The Bible's, I mean, Paul argues this in, in, in Ephesians that you were dead in sin. Now, dead people, listen, dead people can't feel the weight of guilt and sin. Dead people don't feel. So, from a spiritual perspective, unless God, through the Spirit and Word, stir your heart, then you can't be saved. So, God does the saving. But I want you to notice the Spirit. I, I, real quick, look at verse 6. So, so you have the seeker who's Nicodemus in salvation. Then you have the Spirit who operates the work of salvation. But <clears throat> he says, verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You know, there's, there's a supernatural birth regeneration, born again, born from above, whatever term you want to use. There's a natural birth as a descendant of the Adam. Paul argues this in second in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. First Adam, last Adam. And you have to be born a second time. You're born by Christ and you're born again. Born the first time, you're a descendant of the Adam. You must be born a second time from the last Adam. The Lord, He calls him the, the last Adam or the, the second man, the spiritual man. You have to be born again through, through the Word and through the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He says again, do not marvel. I said to you, you must be born again. Now look what he says about the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. It's, folks, this is a sovereign act of God. This is... This is Jesus telling us how the Spirit is going to move. You can't, you can't, you can't tell me. You can't tell Him. You, I can't tell you when the Spirit's going to do this. That's what it says. The wind blows where it wishes. Because He's going to say in a minute, so it is with the Spirit. You, you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So, the Spirit, I say, is uncontrollable. 
you, 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 can't, dic you can't dictate the work of the Spirit. Here, and you never know. I mean, you know this in spiritual growth. You never know. Now, I'm not talking about being saved now. I'm talking about spiritual growth. You never know when God's going to give an extra measure of the Spirit and Word at a certain time, whether it's in a Sunday school class, fellowshipping with people in worship, and you get an extra dose of the Spirit and Word, and you grow in an unusual... You just never know when the Spirit's going to do it. But it's un, you can't control it. It's a God thing. You can't tell people, oh, we're going to have a revival and the Holy Spirit's going to show up and do its work. That's blasphemy. He's God. He does what He wants. So Jesus is telling us, you just never know what the Spirit's going to do. He's uncontrollable. By the way, it's undeniable too, because... He moves. When He moves, it's undeniable, right? It's unforgettable uh, when the Spirit moves. I love what Jesus said in John 6. It is the Spirit that gives life. This is John 6, 63, I think. He says, the Spirit gives life. The, the flesh profits Nothing. It's the Spirit that gives life. So Jesus reminds us in this transition in salvation that it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, number one, it's the authority of Jesus Christ and it's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings salvation. Let me read one more verse and we'll close. Look, if you have your Bibles open, look at John uh, 15, John 3.15. says that whoever believes in Him, the one that's lifted up, you know the story, whoever's lifted, if we believe in Christ, being lifted up, substitutionary death, whatever terms you want to use to, to summarize being lifted up on the cross, says that whoever believes in Him may have, that's a gift, right? You didn't earn it. May have eternal life. Now folks, there's a word uh, in, in theology, uh, monergistic, you may never, you may read the word sometime in studying for Sunday school. Monergistic means one, means of salvation, one, mono. There's one source of salvation and that is God, right? So salvation comes through the work of the Spirit, the work of the Son, and the work of the Father. There's only one God that saves, and it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he says, may have, if, if the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. That lifted up. Uh, now think about Christ when He was lifted up. When he was lifted up, it happened more than one time. He was lifted up on the cross, right? But that's not the only time he was lifted up. You can answer this. When was he lifted up again? This is the way the grammar is. This plural is telling us it's more than one time. He was lifted up on the cross. When else was he lifted up? That's right, in the ascension. It's that Christ that died, and the implications are, He died, lifted up, and He's lifted up 
and He's alive. This is whom we come to for salvation. Folks, religion won't save you. Biblical knowledge won't save you. Knowing terms, whatever terms, who saves? Jesus Christ alone is our Savior. And He says to everybody that's in this world, you must be born again. I'm saying that everybody that's born again, the Bible says it's undeniable that salvation has come. Now this is an old, 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 old poem, but it's also a song. And I've, taken, I've edited it a little bit, but I want you to listen to this and, and, and then we'll stand and, and have a moment of invitation. Um, this is called The Touch of the Master's Hand, Moses. I, I know you know this. And, and I edited it a little bit, but listen to the story. Uh, I would sing it, but I'm not. You're welcome, honey. Listen to the story. It's, 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 it's really profound. A little silly, but profound. Well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it was hardly worth his time to waste on this old violin. Auctioneer, but he held it up with a smile. Who's got a bid for this old violin? Who's got a bid for me? One dollar, two, now two dollars twice. Who has got a bid for me? Then back in the room, a gray-haired man came forward and he picked up the bow. He wiped the dust from the old violin and tightened up the strings. Then he played out a melody pure and sweet, sweet as the angels might sing. Then the music stopped. And the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low, took the violin and the bow, and then he said, who's got a bid for this old violin while he held it up with the bow? One thousand, two thousand. Who'll make it three? Three thousand twice. Now that's a great price, but who has got a further bid for me? Then the people cried out, What made the change? We don't really understand. And the auctioneer stopped and he said with a smile, It was the touch of the master's hand. You see the picture? The master violinist. Now look, this rest says, Now many a man with a life out of tune is battered and scarred with sin. And he's auctioned off cheap to a thankless world much like that old violin. But then the Master comes. And the foolish crowd, they never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of of the Master's hand. Folks, all of us at one time were a useless, valueless old violin. But we've been touched by the Master. Amen? Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. Our, again, we're standing together, heads bowed and eyes closed. And, and folks, listen to me. We, I've talked about this time and time again. Heads bowed and eyes closed. 
But you know, even on a Sunday morning in our church, there is somebody here that's religious, but, but it's not born again. You know, you know deep within the recesses of your mind and heart, you've never been born again. You don't know Christ. Well, folks, today can be the day of salvation for you. Won't you let the Son of God who died on a cross, buried, resurrected, and ascended, why don't you trust Him as your Lord and your Savior this morning? Why don't you confess to Him your wickedness? Why don't you cry out to Him to save you from yourself and from sin? Folks, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the the crowd intimidate you. Today, you can be born again. We're going to sing in just a second, I surrender all, but let me pray. Father, we, we thank You for salvation. Father, thank You that Jesus saves. Thank You for the work of the Word and Spirit. Move among us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We sing. I surrender all. You know it well. Moses will lead us. If you need to come this morning, you come right now. Have you been touched by the Master, my friends? All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely Is it true? In His presence, I surrender all. Think about it. I surrender. Have you been born again? I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. You know, I got saved when I was 16. And, uh, you know, I don't talk about this much in, in my home church in, in Weaver, Alabama. Folks, the, uh, when I start talking about being born again and preaching these salvation messages, I always think about when I got saved. And I pray you think about that too and are grateful that God saved you from your sins. Amen? I mean, I, I, but folks, I, I, I experienced some things... I'll tell you, when I got saved, I'm a little country church. It was a little bit bigger than we are, but not much. The week, the, the revival that I got saved in, 86 people got saved during that week. 86. And the night before I got saved, there was a man bigger than I am now. Okay, he was a big man. He, he got saved uh, during the, the call to worship. The Spirit was so strong that we started singing, and he'd, he'd obviously come and heard the gospel. He, big man. He, he, was in, he was towards the back. He came out, crawled all over people, and the pre- preacher wasn't down front. He comes down front and begs the preacher to come down to the altar. And this, right while we're still singing, this guy gets saved. And that happened over and over. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to do that here. I want God to do that here though, amen? 
And I want you to know it could. The Spirit moves where it wills. You don't know, but you know when He does, folks. And I'm, I'm asking you to pray with me that God will send us a genuine Holy Ghost revival. Amen? Amen. I want some folks to get saved and I want saved people to fall in love with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love You and thank You for Your grace and mercy. Thank You for the gift of salvation. Father, help us be the church, the body of Christ that You've willed for us to be. In Your Son's holy and matchless name we pray. Amen.